Hey, good morning, Gateway. It's great to be with you. Welcome back from Thanksgiving. And Black Friday shopping for all you brave souls out there. I just, I just want to send a shout out to Gateway South and Gateway Central. Thanks for tuning in. And hey, if we've never met before, my name is Jesse, and I serve at Gateway Central. Uh, my family and I just bought a home in Kyle, Texas, as well, a couple of months ago, and we're building a Gateway community down in the Butte Kyle area. And my name is John Ng. If we haven't met before, uh, really... I've been serving at Gateway South for a, a short time already, about two, two and a half years, and I'm getting ready to actually switch sides. I know I miss you guys down south, but uh, it's been an incredible journey, and we're getting ready to launch a new community out in the Pflugerville area. That's right. A, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so today you're here from both John and I, and John will be helping us through the scriptures, and I'll be sharing out of part of my story today. And it'll be awesome hearing from you, by the way, Jesse, because I don't know if you guys know this, but Jesse is our first pastor who's really come from disconnected to leading all through Gateway Church. That's right. Thank you. Yeah, but I'm definitely not the first bald pastor. Oh, yeah, that's right. We've got Eric down south to thank for that. That's right. We're just taking our baldness a little further south. Mm. I hear you. <laughs> well, hey, a lot of you have asked why it seems like Jesse and I are switching places because Jesse was actually a little bit further up north, and I was down south. I'm going all the way across the river to, to the north side. Well, let me just guarantee you that the process was not super spiritual. <laughs> like, what we discovered was everybody up here north has a lot of hair. So it's John, <laughs> Rob, Justin. I was That's like, right. I got to join the team. That's right. You do have a nice head of hair, John. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, um, you know, one thing that I do want to say, Jesse, is that you're not going to expect any facial hair on me anytime soon. Well, John, actually, I did have a full head of hair. It just slid down my face and landed on my chin. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> well, Jesse's passionate about building into communities and reaching families, those who are disconnected, those who don't like church, out in the Butte-Kyle area. That's right. And if you don't know this, John's our first campus pastor who's a person of color. He's got a heart to grow a multicultural community in, uh, in Pflugerville and bring healing in our divided world up there. Well, we're on the back end of Thanksgiving. And some of you might remember what you were doing about three days ago. Uh, perhaps you woke up early and tried to do a turkey trot to work against every kind of damage that you would imagine later on that day. Maybe you found yourself eating way too much stuffing, turkey, and then more turkey. Uh, well, for me, I had to throw in some dumplings because, you know, I'm Chinese-American, I gotta have my dumplings. And some of you guys are like, wait a second, dumplings, chicken and dumplings, that's a southern thing, isn't it? <laughs> Let me just set the records just really, really straight right now. Newsflash, dumplings are from China. We've got 2,000 years of history, we've got soup dumplings, steamed dumplings, fried dumplings, pork dumplings, shrimp dumplings, I'm having my own Bubba Gump moment right now. But you know, if you're like me, the table that you see pictured behind us is kind of a reminder of all the work that you have to do now, right? All the damage that you did a few days ago, you're going to have to start up some keto diet or Whole30. That's right. And if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan like me, you spent that day in prayer. That's right. There they are. My Cowboy fans. There they are. That's right. That's right. But besides the food, Thanksgiving is also a time uh, to gather around a table where we share a meal and catch up. But what I know to be true is that for some of us, this table represents something else. It reminds us what we're hungry for, a different kind of food, a belonging, a being accepted, a table that represents what church was intended to be for the person that's stuck in addiction 
or depression, for the broken marriages and the feuding families. But just like any invitation, you must show up and sit at the table. And many times we make excuses while we can't come to the table after being invited. And we see Jesus talk about this in Luke 14. And one of those at the table with him heard this. He said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat and feast in the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. And as we read on in the scripture, you see excuses being made like, I just got married, so I can't come to the banquet you invited me to, or the equivalent of, I just bought a home, so I can't show up. And then we see at the end the invitation. The master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come so that my house may be full. This passage out of Luke captures God's heart for you and for me. That Jesus is on mission to bring more life and more freedom for every single one of us here in this room and also beyond. And I just want to invite you to imagine that for one second. Like, what does that actually mean? That the God of this universe, the creator of all of life, is striving for you. He's out to serve you. That God is clocked in and he's here for your good to bring about restoration and healing. What does that actually mean? Well, for me, I've seen this actually unfold and, uh, in a lot of different ways. Here at Gateway, I've discovered such a welcoming and incredible community. And I've only been serving in you know, our campuses sporadically aside from South Campus, but this is the one thing that I do know for sure. Wherever I've gone, I've always been so welcomed in. And this isn't my first time being up here at North, but each of you, those who I've already connected with, you've demonstrated God's heart for welcoming the stranger. And that's what I once was. I was a stranger. I wasn't a part of the Gateway community. I'd never been to this church prior to serving staff. And as I jumped in, I experienced God's welcome through each one of you. And that's no small thing because our first building block here at Gateway is come as you are. Come as you are is that foundational value through which we drive our mission. How we join with God in welcoming others, whether they look like us or they don't, whether they have the same kind of background or culture or they're kind of completely from a different kind of world. Come as you are is the first thing that we see in the story that we read about earlier today. It's this invitation to come sit at the table, to be a part of the feast of God. And all are welcomed. Just like we read earlier today, the kingdom of God is like this banquet. Every one of us are invited in. Come and see, come and taste the goodness of God. And it doesn't matter if you actually feel ready. God will make you ready. It's just come as you are. You're invited. And Jesus also models the same invitation at the very beginning of his ministry. In the book of Mark, we see that Jesus is out healing and teaching others. And during this time, he's gathering people and he's inviting them to follow him. These are people who would become his disciples. It's kind of like the cream of the crop, his apprentices. This would be his all-star team. And so who does he go after? Well, in the book of Mark, we see that Jesus does something a little bit against the grain. Because in a, in a Jewish society, 
It was very common for a rabbi or a teacher to go after the, basically the religious elite, those who have already passed all the prerequisites, those who were kind of pre-selected a long time ago. They were on their way to becoming religious leaders. But Jesus, in chapter 1 of Mark, decides to go after fishermen, right? People that you would never expect. Jesus turns the tables on us, and he invites these ordinary men to follow him. And this would have left some huge question marks for some. Like, was that a fluke, Jesus? What, what just happened there? But then we jump into chapter 2, and we realize that Jesus is making something really clear. He's not going back to what's culturally accepted. Instead, Jesus doubles down. He says, I'm going to go after the disconnected. And so he decides to call a guy named Levi, someone the Jewish people would despise. Let's check that out in Mark chapter 2, verse 13. Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. And so Levi got up and he followed Jesus. Now Levi's background as a tax collector wasn't super pretty because what that meant was he had sided with the oppressors, with the roaming government. And he took advantage of his own people skimming off of the top so that he could build his own wealth. And as a result, he was shunned by his very own people. His life was a mess. He, he, he kind of just carried this social stigma all around him. It's like he's got this coffee stain on a white t-shirt, and he's scrubbing, 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 but he can't get rid of the dirt. But Jesus not only welcomes Levi, he pursues him. When he sees Levi, he, he truly sees Levi. Past all the dirt, this is a man created in the very image of God. And he invites Levi, come and see. And that's what Jesus is still doing among us today. Listen as Jesse shares a little bit of his story. It's an incredible narrative. I just love hearing what God has done through you and in you. And it's something that God continues to do in each and every one of us. So take it away, man. Yeah, I just want to say again, if this is your first time checking us out here at North Campus or down south at our South Campus or over at Central Campus, welcome. You know, it wasn't that long ago that I was right where you are. You know, my wife and I found Gateway back in 2015. Uh, Matter of fact, the first time I came, I sat right up there uh, in the upper deck up there. So be careful, you could end up staying on the stage here one day. (laughs) That's it. But I get what it's like stepping into a new space for the first time. Specifically, I get what it's like to step into Gateway for the first time. And my story is probably not that much different than many of us here today. My parents were divorced when I was two years old. Both sides were plagued by addiction, both alcohol and drugs. And uh, going back all the way to my grandparents, I was raised by my mom, a single parent, who did the best that she could, but she was barely hanging on herself. I was abandoned by my father early on, and I not only viewed God as a judge handing down guilty verdicts on my life. But I also felt that he had abandoned me as well. So what was the point of crying out to a God who I thought would never respond to me? I was a kid that never really fit in. And ultimately, I ended up making bad choices for my life. I was 18 years old and in the 10th grade. I see some of you are trying to do the math. Let me help you out. That's not good. That's not good. Doesn't add up right? But I always felt like the underdog, the outcast, 
that I was never good enough, and that everyone else had it all together. You see, I wasn't raised with faith. My mom did the best that she knew how to, but how could she teach me the importance of a relationship with Jesus when she was never taught that herself? And so when I came into this church, I came with a suitcase packed full of deep wounds, wounds around not being accepted, not being good enough to experience grace, waiting for someone to judge me and condemn me, and my guard was up. But what I began to experience here early on was that it wasn't about what I had done or even what I was doing so much it was who I was becoming. And I started to feel like there was a seat at the table for me, something I had never felt before. And I was being invited to come back through invitations like, come back next week. Just keep showing up. But ultimately the choice was mine, right? I could keep carrying around this suitcase full of wounds, around not being accepted or not being good enough, or I could accept the invitation and intentionally seek after spiritual maturity and keep showing up. And ultimately, that's what I did. So just like Jesse, who heard an invitation from Jesus and from community, Levi's encounter with Jesus creates a kind of curiosity with him. It's a curiosity that really neither Jesse or Levi can shake off of themselves. Maybe there's actually space at the table for someone like me. Maybe I can actually sit here, belong. And that kind of curiosity propels each of them into a relationship with Jesus. They say yes. Levi responds to Jesus in Mark chapter 2, verse 15. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. So when Levi invites Jesus and his followers to his home as guests, Jesus decides to join in. He doesn't stand apart and judge at a distance. He says, yes. And this is a little bit awkward because... Levi and the rest of his crew, they're used to religious leaders rejecting them. Find that out in the next verse, Mark 2, 16. But when the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors, him being Jesus, and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? This is what the religious teachers see. Broken people with messed up lives, they're worthless. They're scum. Jesus, instead of doing that, enters in. He engages, he sees, and he shows up. You see, we often talk about how God sets this amazing table, and we can join in, we can sit down, and that's true. It's an amazing invitation. What's also true is that before we even show up at God's table, sometimes before we even hear that invitation, God's already showed up at our table. God shows up exactly where you and I are. And then God invites us forward. That's what I got to experience when I first joined staff here at Gateway. And I was brand new to this community, like I mentioned. This is the first time I've actually been a part of a church that's not predominantly Asian American. The first time that I've been in more of a majority white context church. And so a few months into my journey here at Gateway, I got invited into a weekend retreat with some of our staff men. It was a group of all white men. 
and I was the only person of color. And let me tell you, there was a lot of internal resistance that I was wrestling with. I was like, shoot, am I going to have to go hunting? <laughs> am I going to, like, do I have to go find some deer? Because these are great guys, but I just don't know what white guys do on a retreat. <laughs> and if I need to do meat, like, just take me to the supermarket. I'm good right there. I mean, could you imagine if you were the white dude and you're going to an all-Asian men retreat or all-black guys? It'd be a little bit uncomfortable, at least at first. And so, yeah, there was some of that, but really I was experiencing significant internal pushback because I've been hurt in spaces that have been majority white. I grew up out in Dallas, and I have experiences where people have actually told me to my face, you don't belong here. We don't want you here. And so when I showed up, I showed up with some questions. I carried some of my own experiences. And I wondered, kind of out loud and also within my own heart, like, is there actually space for me here to thrive? Can I belong here? Or will people actually say, you don't belong, John. We don't want you here. I came with some questions around, like, will my white brothers and my white sisters actually engage in reconciliation with me? Will they do the work of seeking truth, working out justice for all people? What would that look like for us? And so those are just some of the questions that I carry with me, some of the questions that some of our people of color carry with them. And you see, literally a few weeks before this all happened, I had caught wind of a friend who leads an Asian-American church out in California. And essentially what had happened was white supremacists, emboldened by this cultural moment of ours right now, decided to go over to their church, and they etched in swastikas into their windows. And alongside those signs, words that read, we don't want you here. So I was coming in pretty raw, and I heard God's invitation saying, John, come sit at this table that I prepared for you. And so I decided to sit down. I was uncomfortable, but I trusted that God had something for not just me, but for all of us. And here's the thing, like, I know, yeah, we're talking about race a little bit. It's the thing that we want to avoid, but we have a race issue within our communities, and Gateway's not immune to it. You're not immune to it. I'm not immune to it. And it's affected our families. It's affected our communities all around. <laughs> but God speaks into the most broken places in our world. We really do believe that here at Gateway. And so we want to be a people that's striving for unity across our diversity. And at Gateway, we've begun to wrestle together. Well, what does it look like for us to confront the reality of racism and white supremacy? And God's already starting to bring forth life. That's one of the things that I love about Gateway, that we believe one of the best ways that you can do life together is to connect and serve with one another, to be on mission together, to hear each other's stories, and to hold both our victories and our wounds and our places of hurt together. And it's not because we've got everything figured out, friends. It's simply because we found the source of life, Jesus. And we're about bringing others and pointing others to Jesus. 
Yeah, so whether that's serving here on Sundays with our kids or in our auditorium here, joining our networks to serve our homeless communities or our refugee neighbors, we serve because we know that's where life happens. You know, I found, found it to be true that most people long for community, and that was true for me and my wife when we first came to Gateway. And I remember going through Starting Gate with my wife after uh, one Sunday after service, and after the Starting Gate tour, she signed up to serve right there. I did not sign up to serve. But she began to build community here at Gateway North. And then one Sunday, she'd asked me, say, hey, why don't you come with me and, and serve with me on Sunday? And my response to her was, no. I'm good. Good luck with that. I mean, I was willing to keep coming back each Sunday to service. But to serve? I mean, forget it. I work all week. I felt like I was always serving others. And besides, Sunday was my day to chill, my rest day. You see, back then I didn't realize that I actually needed to serve more than Gateway needed me to serve. But as the weeks went on, one Sunday after church, we were pulling into Costco, and I shared with my wife my growing need to be a part of a community. We kept hearing here on Sunday mornings to get in a life group. However, it was a little challenging for, to find one we could both attend because we have nine kids. Now stop right there, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> yes, we know what causes that. Are you kidding me? Yes. And we do have a television set. <laughs> so we, pull, we go into Costco and right there in the frozen food section, I meet this lady and she says, oh, I see you have three girls. I say, no, I actually have five girls and a few boys. And we start to strike up this conversation, and she's intrigued because she thought she was crazy. She had a few kids of her own. But we start to talk, and she calls her husband over, and he comes over in a pair of swimming trunks and a man bun. We start to have this, again, y'all know who I'm talking about. This is great. We start to have this conversation. And as I'm leaving out of Costco that day, he turns and says, hey, I don't know what you're doing on Tuesday this week, but I'd love to have you over to our house. We do this thing at our house on Tuesdays. And see, it was right there that we joined Kenny and Jenny Green's life group. Yeah, it's a good time. It's a good time. But it was in that life group that I began to serve. I jumped on the setup team as Gateway Central was launching, and I served others with others. And I began to realize that it wasn't about me. Serving just, it wasn't about me. It was, it was a space where we could come together, and we didn't have to have it all together. And most times, we didn't. We didn't have to have all the answers. It was the thing that we talk about here every Sunday, living connected. But what if Kenny hadn't turned to me and invited me to that Tuesday group? You know, I couldn't imagine that, missing out on the community that we've been a part of over uh, these past few years and the lives that we've seen changed in that community and how our own lives have changed and how hopefully he'll use us to change lives down in the Buda Kyle area. You know, often it's not the reminder to check out Starting Gate, but rather it's the personal invitation of, hey, come serve with me. Hey, come hang with us. Hey, what are you doing Tuesday night? I'd love to have you over. I wonder if someone had extended a personal invitation to my mom over 30 years ago, how different our lives would have been. You know, I invited my mom to watch uh, online. Uh, she lives up in Dallas, and I, I invited her to Gateway Central, and she came. And then she went back to Dallas and started watching online for two years. She's been watching. But I had the pleasure to baptize her this year at Gateway Central. Yeah. 
She accepted the invitation, and she took her seat at the table. And that invitation, friends, is the key. It's the key that helps to unlock God's heart for you and me, God's mission for us as we go out into this world. And as we spend more and more time in a community of Christ followers, just like the one that Jesse talked about, we're invited to mature. At Gateway, we love to say, come as you are, and we believe that because that's God's heart for us. And we also know that God invites us past where we are. God doesn't want you to stay stuck. And so as we say, come as you are, we also say, don't stay as you are. There's more life. There's more freedom, more restoration that you can discover, maybe even past all of your imagination. And at the heart of it is Jesus healing and transforming you. What would it look like for you to become fully who God has created you to be? God wants to see that happen. For some of us, we might be like Levi or Matthew, as he's called later on in history. You see, Matthew heard the invitation of Jesus. He completely ditches his other life, and he chooses immediately to follow Jesus. Some of us are like that. We've experienced that already in our lives. Others of us might be more like people who just need to sit and be for a little while. And we totally respect that here at Gateway. And at some point, you also have to make a decision. Will you say yes to God's invitation? Will you sit down at God's table? Because that's where life is. And maybe for some of you, you'll actually say yes today. Maybe that's what you need to do. That's your next step. Right now, I've got an 18-month-old baby. Her name is Addie. Love her. And she's in this process right now of learning how to pick up spoons and forks, learning how to feed herself. And it's super messy. <laughs> like, half of the stuff that we cook ends up on the floor for our dogs. But it's something that I would never trade. I want my baby to start learning how to feed herself. It'd be crazy if I didn't envision that, right? Or if I didn't invite her to take that on herself, right? Let's just fast forward for a little bit. Let's imagine 18-month-old Addie is now 18-year-old Addie. And we're sitting at a table, just catching up. We've got some snacks. And she's telling me all about the high school drama that's happening in her life. I'm listening nodding, and then all of a sudden she interrupts and says, hold on one second, Dad, I need to eat something. And then she opens up her mouth and she's like, feed me. You got to feed me right now. That'd be ridiculous, right? Like that would not make sense whatsoever. And yet so many of us show up in our spiritual lives just like that. We literally starve ourselves for an entire week or for an entire month, perhaps, and we show up at church, we open up our mouths, and we say, feed me. God invites you to intentionally mature in your own faith journey. So wherever your starting place might be today, God is calling you forward to the next step, and the next step, and the next step. Will you say yes to joining God's table? Will you sit down at this banquet, at this feast? Listen to what happens as Jesse continues to say yes in his own story. Yeah, you know, I, could, I can't remember missing a Tuesday night life group, mainly because at this point, we were all in for what God was doing at Gateway, and we're also all in for what God was doing in our lives. It was in this life group that we began to do life together, where we were able to wrestle with the tough questions about faith and God. You see, I've been in seasons where I was waiting for someone to always give me the answers. 
I was waiting for someone to help me grow. But what I know to be true in my life is until I started taking the food off of the table and putting it on my plate and then eating it, did I see spiritual growth. You know, Kenny and Jenny's life group was just that for me and my wife. We intentionally seeked after spiritual maturity. And it transformed our family. It transformed our marriage. We not only attended this group regularly, but we rarely missed coming on Sundays. And what we realized is that with church, it just wasn't on Sunday. It was also throughout the week. And that's when we experienced what true community looked like. We did life together. If someone was hurting, the community was there. When me and my wife were pregnant with our eighth child, what was supposed to be a routine uh, doctor's visit during the pregnancy turned into us staring at our lifeless son's body on a sonogram screen. It was during this time of loss that our group came around and lifted when we could not. They not only provided meals, but they provided so much more. They provided love, genuine love. And me and my wife have never had so many people tell us that they loved us. It was in this life group that I joined a core team of people that helped launch Gateway Central back in 2016. Much like the team that John and I will be putting together over the next few months. And I remember that day clearly in Kenny's living room when we committed to be a part of this core team of people. And it came with costs. But where there's a cost, there's a payoff. And as Chrissy and I continued to say yes, God has guided our steps to the very steps that I took to come on this stage today. And that's faith. Your yes will come with a cost. And Jesus is inviting us into more even in the trials, in the doubts, in the pain, that we would know his peace in this divided and broken world. So will you come to the table, friends? Will you say yes to God's invitation, this seat that he's prepared specially for you? You see, we all yearn for a better world. We desire to see healing and restoration, communities coming together. And the only way that we can even begin to bring that into our world is to say yes to Jesus. We need a higher power greater than ourselves to bring that kind of world into reality. In Jesse's story, you see an individual who encountered a lot of doubts. He brought those to the table. And even in his own journey, there was pain and there was loss. And he experienced Jesus transforming him. In the story of Levi or Matthew, we see a castaway Jewish tax collector saying yes to Jesus. And for the next three years, he follows after Jesus. He heals and restores with Jesus. And then he's sent out to do the same. And the world is forever changed because of the Matthews of this world. We're sitting here because of those individuals, women and men who have gone before us. Would you consider being a Matthew for someone else? I mentioned earlier that at some point in my own story, I sat down at the table that God prepared. I chose to sit at the table, specifically here at Gateway. And I'll be the first to admit that Gateway still has some work to do. We still have to grow as we learn how to fight against places of injustice, 
but we believe that God is restoring us, that God speaks into these really broken places. And so we're at the table discovering God's heart all together. And here's the thing. You and I, we all show up with different kinds of questions. Some of them are exactly like Jesse's. Some of them might mirror Levi's. Others of them might reflect my own. I don't know all of your stories, but I do know this. The work of becoming a people who are united in Jesus as we even give voice and honor our different backgrounds and our cultures, it's really difficult work. And it's what God creates. It's what God makes possible when we say yes to Jesus. At our last Beyond Colorblind class here at North Campus, we just wrapped that up actually a couple of Tuesdays ago. I saw white brothers and sisters of mine, some of them for the very first time listening to the experiences of people of color in our community. Painful experiences. And all of us began to see the barriers and the walls that have kept us divided for so long begin to fall as we confessed our hatred of the other or hatred of ourselves, our blindness, sometimes even the shame that we carry. Behind me, you're going to see a, a picture that I think doesn't even do it justice. It does not capture all that God began to do. But it is a snapshot of what we believe God does when we all gather together at the table of God. As we grow in unity and acknowledge all of our diversity and its beauty. So where do you find yourself today, friends? Whether you're coming in with a lot of doubts and questions, whether you're like Levi, me, or Jesse, what would it look like for you to sit at the table of God? Will you come? Will you say yes? Will you take in the feast of God? Jesus invites you in, and your life will never be the same. Yeah, so as John and I begin to set tables and build communities in Pflugerville and down in the Butikow area, for those that live in those areas, what does it look like for you? Are you willing to be a part of racial reconciliation and bring healing and justice through Jesus to Pflugerville? Are you willing to help remove barriers in one of the most diverse and fastest growing cities in the nation in the hopes that they would experience Jesus? Are you willing to help bring the mission of Gateway down into the Budokal area, to see all relationships restored, to see marriages healed, to see family and friendships brought back together? Are you willing to help and invite a single mom and her son so that they wouldn't have to experience a life apart from Jesus? Are you willing to be a part of this movement, which, by the way, is God's movement, that we would love everyone life by life here at North Campus, down at our South Campus, over at Central Campus, up in Pflugerville, and down in the Budokal area. And as I stated earlier, your yes will come with a cost, but I stand here today to let you know that it comes with a huge payoff. I love what Martin Luther King says here. He says, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. So are you willing to start saying yes in your life for whatever is next for you? And are you willing to take your seat at the table and invite others to come join you? So at this time, we're going to throw it back to our campuses at South and Central. And for those of us who are here at North, we just wanted to invite you in this next moment to really reflect on this invitation that God gives each one of us this invitation to come and sit at the table of God. Will you say yes as you reflect on that? 
Thank you for that. That's what I'm talking about. Right there. You said yes. As we reflect on that together and in your own lives, we want to invite you just to listen in on God's song. This band is going to lead us, and uh, I would just invite you to meet with Jesus where he is as he invites you forward. Thanks, guys.